Podcastle, episode number 67, Kissing Frogs by Jay Lawrence. Welcome to Podcastle. I'm M.K. Hobson, and today's story is Kissing Frogs by Jay Lawrence. The story originally appeared in the magazine of fantasy and science fiction in 2004, and it was a shortlist selection for the James Tiptree Jr. Award. In an interview with FNSF assistant editor John Joseph Adams, Jay calls this just a classic girl-meets-talking-frog story. I've updated it for the 21st century, of course, with personal ads, Starbucks coffee, and Prada pumps, but animal transformation stories are as old as recorded history and probably much, much older. This statement got me to thinking about animal transformation stories, and that led me to the Journal of Folklore Research and a critical essay by Jack Zipes entitled... What Makes a Repulsive Frog So Appealing? Mimetics and Fairy Tales. In the essay, Zipes explores the process by which an individual fairy tale can transcend its role as a vehicle of fireside entertainment and become, quote, a cultural artifact that acts as a cultural replicator or cultural adapter that manages to inhabit our brains. In short, a meme. Zipes describes how the Frog King, which first appeared in the 1812 edition of Grimm's Fairy Tales, was revised and expanded several times over the next 40-plus years to make it conform even more closely to contemporary standards, thus refining its mimetic power. Zipes notes, It was considered significant enough to lead off their collection and remained in this place through the seven different editions published during their lifetime. It continues to be the first tale one reads in all the complete collections of the Grimm's tales, including all translations. In many respects, it has seeped into our consciousness as the model Grimm tale in style, form, and content. Wilhelm labored over embellishing this tale for almost 40 years. It communicated a moral message that advocated for the restoration of the patriarchal word and world order to which young women were to subscribe. Zipes argues for the story's definition as a meme because it so neatly encapsulates and supports standards of courtship, sexual preference, and mating prevalent at the time of its creation. He then goes on to examine a number of modern examples in which the classical narrative has been subverted to reflect our society's changing attitudes. I think if he read Kissing Frogs, he'd have a lot to say about how it demonstrates, once again, the power of the original meme as a baseline against which we explore our changing attitudes toward love and relationships. Author Jay Lawrence lives in Minnesota and works on websites for a living. Besides the magazine of fantasy and science fiction, her stories have also appeared in Minnesota Monthly and Great River Review. The story is read by Phoebe Harris, who, in a former life, attended Clarion West, earned both a degree in linguistics and a CPA, and fathered two amazing children. In this life, She lives with her wife in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in what she says is turning out to be a never-ending adventure. Check out her story, The Strength to Bear, in the March 2009 edition of Expanded Horizons. And enjoy the story. Kissing Frogs by Jay Lawrence Single green frog seeks his princess. Do you believe in fairy tales? One kiss, and it's happily ever after. No smokers, please. PETA members preferred. We met near a pond, of course. I loved your ad, I said, after we'd finished our introductions. 
Sharon, meet Jerry. Frog, meet human. But I have to admit I wasn't expecting an actual amphibian. My companion shrugged what would have been his shoulders, if only he'd had some. The result was a rippling quiver of the skin just behind his sleek green head. Jerry was an attractive frog, really. Striking. He had iridescent green skin dappled with bronze, and a splendid crimson vocal sac below his broad, froggy smile. Behind each golden eye was a perfectly round black spot, which I took to be purely decorative until a hazy memory surfaced from junior high. We dissected frogs in eighth-grade biology. Tympanums, I thought. My date has tympanums. I wasn't expecting a genuine PETA member either, Jerry said. That was just a bit of frog humor. He didn't croak. His voice was a smooth and pleasant baritone, surprisingly low for a creature the size of my fist, and his diction was perfect. The red vocal sac swelled to impressive proportions as he spoke. I looked down at the Starbucks cups between us on the picnic table. I brought two vanilla lattes to our rendezvous, gambling that my date would be a coffee drinker. He wasn't. I'm not a member anymore, I confessed. I stopped contributing after they asked the town of Hamburg, Pennsylvania, to change its name to Veggieburg. You're joking. No, it's true. Years back, they asked a town called Fishkill to change its name to Fish Save, but that didn't get as much publicity. I shut up and sipped my coffee, embarrassed by my own babbling. It strikes me like that on first dates sometimes, even with my own species. Glib to gibbering in two seconds flat. After a moment's awkward silence, I forced myself to meet Jerry's shining eyes again. They were bulging, but kind. He smiled. I smiled back. So, how did it happen, if you don't mind me asking? He waved a forefoot in a dismissive gesture. His front feet had four toes each, while the heavily webbed hind feet had five. I find it unnatural if someone doesn't. It suggests either an excess of politeness or an appalling lack of curiosity, wouldn't you say? He hopped a few lengths away from me along the tabletop, pausing to stare out across the water. Following his gaze, I noticed the lily pads for the first time, a flotilla of round emerald leaves, a scattered few captained by luminous white flowers. I wondered how they looked through Jerry's jewel-like eyes. A promised land? A prison? I was married once upon a time he said in his fine, fluid voice. Like a child, I closed my eyes to listen. To a rich man's daughter. When we met, she had everything, and I had nothing, and that attracted us both madly. We were polar opposites. Like magnets, I murmured. Magnets in love? He sounded amused. But you know what happens to magnets when the polarity of one is reversed. In place of attraction, repulsion. Yes, I knew. She loved me, I do believe that. But she never lacked for anything in her life, and she wanted all the luxury she was accustomed to, things I couldn't afford to give her on a middle manager's salary. 
So she'd take them as gifts from her father against my wishes, or run up our credit cards impossibly high, and then we'd argue. Bitter fights, half the night sometimes. We didn't leave any marks, but we didn't take any prisoners either. With every argument, I felt smaller in her eyes, less of a man. And with every shiny, expensive thing she wanted that I couldn't give her, I felt her drawing further away. At the end, she would physically recoil from me in bed at night, as though she touched something horrible and slimy. I opened my eyes. She left you because you became a frog? Oh no, he said with surprise. I became a frog because she left me. Now there's a self-esteem problem, I thought. But it happens to all of us, doesn't it? Whether you're a beauty or a beast, when someone you love rejects you, your mirror turns mean. You stand in front of it crying, Mirror, mirror, what's wrong with me? Why wasn't I good enough for him to love? And the damn mirror shows you. Suddenly every line and flaw is magnified. Suddenly every year shows. Those extra ten pounds, that too prominent Adam's apple, the ass too flat, the boobs too small, the cold glass reflects it all. Jerry probably started out as a nice, presentable guy with eyes that bulged just a little before his wife and his self-confidence disappeared through the looking glass. But at least you're getting out there now, I said finally, in what I hope Jerry would consider an encouraging tone. To my own ears, it sounded appallingly like my mother's voice trying to cheer me up after my disastrous senior prom. Dating? Trying to get back to normal? Jerry's green head bobbed in a nod. Trying, yes, he said, but not succeeding very well so far. It's difficult enough for normal, attractive people to find love these days, Sharon. Never mind a guy who's, well... Not exactly Prince Charming. I snorted. Nobody is Prince Charming, Jerry. Prince Charming doesn't exist. And ugly stepsisters need love, too. Are you sure you don't want some of this latte? No, you can go ahead and have it. Caffeine makes me jumpy. He winked one golden eye. Laughing, I toasted him with the Starbucks cup. You don't know what you're missing. I've got to have my coffee every day, or I'm absolutely grim. Jerry groaned, and that did come out as a croak, a silly, wavering croak that broke in the middle like a pubescent boy's. We both succumbed to a fit of the giggles then, human laughter mingling with bursts of frog song. The first shared laugh with someone new is always a shining moment, an instant of connection that warms you inside even if you're not wildly attracted to your date. Sometimes, I get from a first date to a second on laughs alone. It's not such a bad thing, either. It beats the hell out of getting there on desperation. I've done that, too, I'm sorry to say. That's better, I said. You've got to keep laughing in this world, Jerry. That's why your ad caught my eye. It was funny and optimistic. He hopped closer and looked up intently into my eyes. His pupils weren't vertical or horizontal like most frogs' eyes. They were round like a person's. It gave him a wide-eyed, earnest look. 
Is that what made you answer it? I suppose so. It certainly wasn't because I believe in fairy tales. Not the ones with happy endings, anyway. But I was impressed that a guy who described himself as a frog still had the confidence to hope for a happily ever after. It sounded a little naive, maybe, but sweet. And I figured a sweet guy who didn't consider himself a handsome prince might overlook me not being much of a princess. Jerry's vocal sack swelled and deflated, swelled and deflated. I took this to be the froggy equivalent of being at a loss for words. It's okay, Jerry, I said. I know I'm no beauty. It was the truth. When I work at it, as I'd worked at it that day, I clean up well. I'm tall and slender. My hair is a glossy natural auburn. I've been told I have a lovely smile. But no amount of expensive tailoring or makeup can disguise the fact that my shoulders are too broad, my cheekbones too flat, my jaw square, my nose long. I'm a handsome woman when I try, but it would take more than plastic surgery to make me a beautiful one. Jerry's eyes distended. He looked alarmed. Sharon, don't say that. For pity's sake, I'm a frog. You can't believe I'm sitting here making judgments about your appearance. I'm grateful, so deeply grateful, that you're still here speaking with me at all. You're, you're the most beautiful woman I've dated in seven months. My eyebrows raised. Jerry... The red balloon of his vocal sack emptied in a sigh. All right. I confess you're also the only one. But believe me when I tell you that you look lovely to me. Certainly much more attractive than I must look to you. I felt my cheeks grow pink. Huh? Well, you're very... Sharon? It was my turn to sigh. Okay. As a frog, you're... Drop-dead gorgeous, hun. But as a guy, you just aren't my type. I ached for him as the words registered. His whole body seemed to shrink with disappointment. He looked so small and miserable, so crushed. The strange thing about not fitting the world's narrow definition of beauty is that you never quite accept it inside. No matter how squarely you face facts in front of your own bathroom mirror, no matter how hard you struggle to make peace with yourself and live happily inside your own skin, it still hurts like hell to see your homeliness reflected in another person's eyes. Why? God only knows it's just how we're made. We can't tickle ourselves, and we can't deal our own egos a mortal blow. Not like another person can. At least we can pleasure ourselves. There'd be a lot more suicides in lonely apartments if we couldn't. I'm sorry, Jerry, I said softly. Leaning closer to him, I was stricken to see his eyes welling up with tears. Oh, Jerry, don't. Please, it's not worth it. Please don't. His mouth opened, but not to speak, to sing. Not in laughter this time, but in pain. The sound was larger than Jerry, larger than both of us. Its mournfulness echoed across the park. Its longing rippled across the water. 
My ears were filled with it. My bones ached with it. Each note reverberated with all the misery his small green body had borne for months, the loneliness and loss flowing from his lipless mouth in a wordless, universal song of sorrow. Wordless, yet it spoke. I am a stranger alone in a strange land, his song said to me. I am a beautiful creature trapped behind other eyes. I love, but am not allowed to love. I long for all I cannot have. I lust with loins that never cool. I love, I love, I love. It was his song, but it could have been mine. By the time he sang the final notes, tears were streaming down my face. When the final echoes faded... I picked Jerry up in trembling hands and brought his mouth to mine. Hands still shaking, I set him gently down again. He was unchanged. I put my head down on the picnic table and sobbed as though my heart were breaking. It was. Sharon, Jerry's cool, moist head nudged my bare arm. Sharon... It's all right. Please don't cry anymore. My breath came in ragged gasps. My name isn't Sharon. It's Stephen. Oh. There was a moment's silence. Stephen, then. Please don't cry, Stephen. You did a marvelous thing for me. I raised my head reluctantly. I knew I had to be a mess with my nose all red and runny. Eyes swollen, foundation streaked. More than that, I felt exhausted emotionally and physically, aching from my head to my size 11 Prada pumps. You're still a frog, Jerry, I said miserably. I didn't do a thing except hurt you. I'm so sorry. But Jerry didn't look hurt. His golden eyes were alight with a new glow, and when he spoke, his voice was jubilant. You kissed me. Even though I'm a slimy amphibian, Sharon, Stephen, you kissed me. I sniffed and dabbed at my face with the Starbucks napkin. So what? Two minutes more of that song and I probably would have slept with you too, for all the good it would do. You're still a frog, Jerry. I'm not your princess. I'm nobody's princess. I'm just a freak in women's clothes, dreaming of the day he gets his willy lopped off. Jerry winced a little at that, but not as much as a man would have. Frogs don't have penises. If you're a freak, he said gently, then what am I? Stephen, you gave me the first ray of hope I've had in seven months. You kissed me. You weren't the right one to transform me. You said it yourself. I'm not your type. But you did kiss me. That means it's not hopeless after all. I'm not so repulsive that no one will ever touch me again. Don't you understand? I've been terrified that even if I did meet the right woman, my princess, she'd only run from me. But you didn't run from me. You kissed me. I shook my head in disbelief. Jerry, I'm glad I made your day. 
But if your idea of a successful relationship is your date not running away screaming... I stopped as my own words registered. Hmm. Come to think of it, that's my idea of a good date, too. For the second time that afternoon, we laughed together. But I was still weighed down with the sorrow of his song. My head was aching, and my wonder bra was digging sharply into my chest in a way that felt anything but wonderful. All I wanted was to go home, put on pajamas, and drown my sorrows in a pint of Cherry Garcia. I gathered up the Starbucks litter and took it to a nearby trash barrel, then returned to the picnic table to make my farewells to Jerry. He was still beaming from tympanum to tympanum. It's been a pleasure, Sharon. I picked up my handbag from the bench seat. You don't have to call me Sharon anymore. But thank you. You are Sharon, he replied. And you are beautiful. I'll never forget you. I smiled wryly. I have to say, you're going to stick in my mind for a while, too, hon. Thank you for a very memorable date. I bent down and gave him one more for the road, right on top of his dappled green head. You take care now. I hope you find your princess. And you your prince, sweet Sharon. Still haunted by his beautiful, terrible song, I was all the way home and halfway naked before I discovered why my padded bra had suddenly gotten so uncomfortable. Mirror, mirror on the wall, I had breasts. Hey all, this is Dave Thompson. You might know me from the message board as DKT, or you might not. I'm going to be doing the feedback for Anne Leckie's story, The Nailander, today, episode number 52. That way the rest of us don't hear Anne saying in the podcastle library, But Hermione, I am the chosen one. Anarchistador said, I thought this one was neat. It had a decidedly non-Western, almost Polynesian feel to it, with the lizards in the swamps and how characters were described as looking. I liked the portrayal of gods in this story, as being interdependent on their worshippers. There was something very real about that. Eric appraised M.K. Hobson's reading as expressive. I think the story really lent itself to audio form. A lot of good dialogue and opportunities to perform voices, she said. Itan said, Love this story. Great world building with lots of thoughts spent on little details and big things, but presented in such a way that it didn't bog anything down. I really liked all the characters, even the slimy suitor prince guy. My only minor nitpick is that it relied on a big coincidence. Why did the skink approach the same woman that his would-be king was interested in? I could see that the river was meddling in her affairs by setting the whole thing up, but she was clearly not colluding with the skink, so I'm unclear how that worked out. Anyway, that's a minor nitpick and a really great story. Oh, and Reasonable Expectations is the best riverboat name ever. Anarchy provided links to other Anne Leckie stories, which led to the eventual rally cry for a short story collection from our esteemed editor. Personally, I want to know if I can add it to my Amazon wishlist yet, or if it could be my free Audible download. We're expecting great things from you, Miss Leckie. Terrible, but great. Or maybe just terribly great. Podcastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Share it, but don't change it or sell it. 
Our theme music is by Shiva in Exile. You can find them at magnatune.com. You can discuss this episode of PodCastle or nearly anything else on our forums. Just visit forum.escapeartist.info. And if you like science fiction or horror, be sure to visit our sister podcasts, Escape Pod and Pseudopod. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend, or post to your blog about it, or consider donating via the PayPal link on our site. Cameron Diaz said, I'd kiss a frog even if there was no promise of a Prince Charming popping out of it. I love frogs. 